Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, Senior Pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire and empower you. All right, if you have a Bible this morning, we are going to go to the book of Acts, the book of Acts, and we're going to turn to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3 this morning is where we're going to dive into our message. We also welcome not only everyone from all of our RISE campuses, but those who are watching this message online. Welcome to you guys as well. And in Acts chapter 3 and verse 1 is where we're going to begin our reading And it says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man, crippled from birth, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Here's our critical verse. Peter looked straight at him. He looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Sorry, and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him and recognised him as the man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Can I, can I read out just four and five, just one more time, verses four and five. It says, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from him. You know, friends, I don't think I need to you know, really search for a witness that this life that we live in the 21st century is full of activity. I mean, it's full of events, it's full of pressures. It's always gonna be full of a lot of things that need to get done. I mean, you know, we've got to-do lists, we've got to-do list apps today, we've got Wonderlist. I call it, you know, I think I call it crazy. You know, like, is it Wonderlist or is it awful list? I'm not really sure, but... We've got, you know, to-do list apps. We've got mail. We've got email. We've got text message. We've got direct message. We've got, you know, we've got everything going on. We've got competing timetables and pressures and circumstances. And our life is just full of things that we have to do. And if we're not careful, we begin to become consumed with the doing of life and found ourselves moving and reacting from event to event, from thing to thing, from from calendar appointment to calendar appointment, task to task, from email to email, always thinking, always doing, always moving, always active. And maybe our lives are never ever filled with moments when rather than functioning, we're just kind of pondering. I think if we're not careful, our our lives become just consumed with activity. And 
I guess what makes it a challenge in the 21st century is that the rules for uh, quiet time or, you know, when you kind of go offline have all but disappeared. I mean, I remember when I was growing up, now listen, young people arise, I grew up before cell phones. I mean, I did, it's amazing, I know. People live there and, and I know what you're thinking, you're thinking, how come our pastor is so cool and hip, yet, yet he grew up without a cell phone? I, I don't know how, God is just a miraculous God. I mean, it's gonna change your life this morning, but did you know there was a time when you didn't have the internet? Did, did you know people survived before Google? Did you, did you know that? They lived, they breathed, they had their being, they, they functioned, they grew, they enjoyed, they, what, they, they enjoyed life, yes. And, and we could find where we were going without Google Maps. I mean, there was a time, uh, I, I, say it ain't so, there was a time, there was a time when the internet was invented where you could either, either talk on the phone or be connected to the internet, but you couldn't do both at the same time. I mean, uh, our world has changed so much in the last period of time. And with that, the rules around when you're kind of connected and available and when you're not have all but been obliterated. I mean, you know, when we were children, uh, if you rang the house after nine o'clock, my, my dad, who's on the third row, fourth row this morning here in Christchurch, he would answer the phone, not with hello, but with the time. <laughs> so, so you ring the house at like 9.25 and he would answer the phone and go, it's 9.25. You know what I mean? Like, because the social etiquette was you stop ringing at nine o'clock. Again, teenagers are like, oh my God, are you serious? Yes, I'm deadly serious. There was a time when you're, you know, when you're demanding, it's all about me, friend, couldn't text you at 1.30 in the morning and say, I've had enough with life, I'm gonna end it all. I mean, there was a time when divas went offline at 9 p.m. Come on, man. I mean, we're always connected. We're always online. Today, you can send a text message. You can even call on a cell phone, really, pretty much any time of the day or night you want. I mean, I made the mistake last night of leaving my phone on, probably because I got to my hotel room at half past 12 in the morning, and I pretty much just went to bed as fast as I could, and I, I left my phone on high ring, okay? Normally, I turn it down for my alarm so that I don't wake up and then die, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Anybody ever done that? You know, it's like, you got your phone on maximum ring, your alarm goes off, you're like, ah! Awake, O oh sleeper, die, O oh saint. I mean, you know, like the most amazing one too. But I, I forgot to turn down the ringer on my phone and I forgot to put my phone onto silent. So my first text message this morning arrived at 5.15 in the morning with full volume. Beep, beep, ah! I bind the devil, I break his power. And you know, we are a people that are always connected. I mean, and now, now not only are we always connected, but to wind down, at the end of the day, we've got social media. Isn't that, isn't that great? That worked out good. So now we finish all of our contact with other people. We go home, right? And we get on Facebook or Instagram and we chill out for bed, not so much, by, by getting online and being part of a whole new environment of connection. 
And if we're not careful, I think it quickly ends up to a point where not only are we so filled with being and doing and functioning and meeting and now with connection and stimulation and stuff that we can end up so easily in a place in our lives where there's no space for reflection, for clarification, for God-centered communication. And instead, our time is constantly consumed with fractured stimulation. Our world has changed and you know, with it, we can find ourselves in an increasingly stimulated, increasingly so, something called connected world, yet in the middle of all that is going on around us and available to us and demanded of us, an individual becomes increasingly distracted and self-focused. And you can be in a crowd of people and glued to your phone, you can be in the middle of an amazing moment in somebody's life, yet you're not in the moment, you know, you're at the wedding, but you're not in the wedding. You're you're present in the environment, but you're not really part of the environment. And we we can find ourselves with increasingly less connection, find ourselves with lower depth of relationship, not really increasing in our ability to do life, but I think decreased. We live in the age now of uh, multitasking, you know. Everyone's got a power day. Everyone's got a multitask, you know what I'm saying? Uh, we, we live in the days of global media. We live in the days of social, so global markets and social media. And if, if we're not careful, um, the, the, the danger is that we can end up just permanently distracted. And you know what, friends? The most important thing in your in this world today, the most valued thing in the world today is your attention. When you ask John, what do people want more than anything else? What's, what's the most coveted thing that's sought after? It would be your attention. To get, to get enough of a market share of the attention of the world is the most coveted thing in our generation. I mean, uh, if you're gonna talk about successful New Zealand companies today, then zero quickly gets to the top of the list. Brent sent me an article last week. I believe the figure was 68 million. Is that right? Zero, the most successful company in New Zealand last year lost $68 million. How can you lose $68 million and be heralded as a success? I'll tell you how, because the real story is that they increased last year massively the number of people that are using zero. So the goal is not to make money anymore. The goal is to get enough attention. And everybody is after your attention. I mean, it doesn't matter where you look. I mean, commercials, TV programs, musicians, you know, celebrities today. I mean, they will do just about anything to get your attention, right? You can become famous just by posting yourself having sex on the internet. I mean, it's just a crazy world where we're willing to do anything now for a publicity stunt. I mean, uh, you know, on the tour, I was just somewhere in an airport and uh, this music video came up and I was like, wow, my gosh, I, I didn't even know people made music videos like that. Then I realised I recognised the song and the reason why is because I've heard the song a thousand times before, but never seen a video of it before. It was like this Lady Gaga song. It's basically like an orgy on television. I'm thinking, why would you do that? And then I realised, of course she's gonna do that. Because if you just posted yourself with like, green leaves around you. Nobody's gonna watch. But take off your clothes. Well, everybody's gonna watch, right? 
Because the most coveted thing in our generation is your attention. And I think where this becomes a challenge for us is that we've got emails that demand our attention. <laughs> I mean, now, now nobody responds to emails, so we've got text messages, right? So that didn't work. So now we've got like messenger applications, right? So now we can interrupt your life, your time, your day, anytime we want to with an instant push that pops up on your cell phone because we don't even wanna wait for you. To, I mean, 10 years ago, it had to be snail mail. Now we've got email. Email's no longer quick enough. So now we've got instant messaging. And it's like, we wanna move faster and faster and faster to get your attention and get from you what you want. And I guess this is a reality of the world that we live in. But in the middle of it all, what strikes me about our passage of Scripture this morning is that we learn about this guy at the gate, beautiful, that he's busy with the tasks of his day. But in order for God to get to his life, we start to understand that divine intervention requires our attention. That if God is gonna touch our lives, if we're, if we're gonna get access to Him, then we have got to give God our focus, our attention. I mean, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, the Bible commands us to redeem the time because the days are evil. Redeem the time because the days are evil. I think you could translate it, redeem your attention because your focus is evil. I mean, we live in this world where everything and everyone is trying to get you and I to give our attention to what they want. Can we stop putting out haste? But, uh, you know, put their attention on what we want rather than, like I just got distracted, rather than focusing on what should be in front of us. And I want you to know, my friends, that there is power in our focus. There's huge power in our focus. This is the first, first healing story that's recorded after the Gospels. And the Bible tells us that the conduit for a miracle. This man was born lame, right? He is born lame, came into this world lame, yet the Bible says that he's sitting at the gate beautiful when along comes Peter and John. And in verse four, they said to him, they, sorry, the Bible says they looked straight at him. Then they said, look at us. And the man looked intently at them. So we've got Peter and John walking past. We've got a request. We've got them stopping. And the Bible says they looked intently at Him. They looked intently at Him. Then they realised He wasn't giving them their attention, His attention. So they looked at the guy and they're like, hey, look at us. And because the guy was a bigger, he was expecting a handout. So the Bible says He gave them His attention. Look at them. Peter, as did John. Now, the reason why John joined in is that in the Greek, this is actually a word that's uh, translated, the, the original Greek word is atenizo, and it means literally to look intently. So the Bible's talking about here, and it says Peter is kind of fixed with this, this God thing, where he just atenizo, he looks intently at the man. Then when he says, look at us, it's a different word. But then when the man looked at Peter and John, the Greek word is the same. He atenizer. He gave them his attention. They looked intently at him. And we find a miracle jumps into this guy's life. But the precursor to the miracle was attention. The thing that allowed the power of God to touch this guy in his life was the absolute focus. 
Look intently to take your whole gaze, your whole mind, or your mental faculty, all of the all of the resources of your eyes, and to lock directly into something. Because I believe, my friends, that divine intervention requires our attention. If we're gonna have a divine intervention of God in our lives, then it requires of us that we give it our whole focus, that we give it our whole attention. You can live in the world and think that somehow you've got the power to do a whole lot of things at once. The myth of multitasking that you literally have the ability to do two things at the same time, not knowing that really you're committing to half doing two things at the same time. You only have so much available and you either give yourself wholly to one thing, wholly to another thing, or you split your focus. Now here's the problem. If If your focus is split, there are some things that you need everything in order for you to do it. I mean, you know, even with my iPad, there are some applications that if I want the app to work, I've got to hit that that button, double click, get all the background apps and shut them down. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, anybody doing graphic editing or anything like that, you take it, you empty the cache, you get rid of everything that's spare because if you're gonna have that application work, it's such an intensive application that it requires everything that the iPad or computer has available. You know what I'm talking about? Well, if we're gonna connect with God, my friends, then I don't know about you, but I reckon God's smarter than any design app any photo editing tool, any video editing function that I've got available to me. If I'm gonna connect with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, then I believe He's looking for my focus. And in this world in which we live, I feel like this passage of Scripture is something so on my heart at the moment. Because the Bible just says, you know, Peter and John are walking past this guy when God begins to prompt them. Okay, so right now we've got Peter and John and they have the first choice. Not the blind guy, they've got the first choice. And because they were Holy Spirit led guys, because they were ready to respond to God, the Bible says that when they were in a God environment, they responded to God because they had yielded their focus to Jesus, because they had trained their lives to be attentive to what God was doing. Did you know we have to do that? We have to train our bodies, train our minds, train our soul to focus on God. The Bible says they looked intently at Him. They looked intently at Him. Two guys prompted by the same Holy Spirit looked at this guy and then they said, hey, if the miracle's gonna come to you, then you've gotta give the same attention as we are. You know, I think the great danger for our time is that you can be in the middle of an amazing moment Yet if you don't give God your attention, it's a two-way deal. It's a two-way deal. Um, I mean, I I watch people in church services now, right? (laughs) I'm not meaning to be, you know, too hardcore with this, but you know, I mean, I watch people in church services and they're taking notes on their iPhone. Shut up, you're not. My mama didn't raise no fool. What we're really doing is we're taking notes, but then up comes a little pop-up. Next thing you know, we're into that. You know what I'm saying? 
Next thing you know, we're into that. I mean, we're in the room, but we haven't given it our attention. And I want you to know that if you're gonna have an encounter with God, you're not gonna get it when you're distracted. The only way you and I are gonna be changed by God is when we train our lives to give God the whole of our focus, all of our attention. Come on, if you believe that, give the Lord some praise this morning. If you wanted a title for this message, this message will be entitled, Look at Us. Because what Peter and John are saying is that they're not, they, can't, they can't make the guy Ateniso. They can't make the guy look intently. But what they're saying is, hey, hey, look at us. Would you at least put yourself in a position where you can experience God's illumination? And to do that, you have to get rid of every distraction, every other voice, every other competing sound and pressure. You have to ignore the voices that are around you and lean into God. I mean, I guess partly what's awakened this message within me is just watching uh, crowds over two weeks. You know, when you travel in New Zealand and you get outside of our environment, where to be honest, a large proportion of our congregations, people are really hungry for God. And then you get outside of it and maybe the, maybe the people in the congregation haven't been part of a church that's kind of, I don't know, maybe vibrant or spiritually alive. And they've, they've, they've lost their expectation that God's gonna meet with them in their lives. And so they, they sit in a service and they, they, they're like looking, they're passing, they're passing their phone around to somebody else. And, and you're like, hang on a minute, I really believe believe that this message, this moment, it could actually change your life. I believe this worship song that we're singing is not just awake in my soul. It's not just a, a beautiful lyric. It's actually a, a spiritual experience. You could have a soul awakening. You could come spiritually alive. God could speak into your heart, but a distracted generation will never receive an encounter. That's why, that's why billions of dollars are spent today trying to just get you and I to focus. Just get your focus. When you drive down the street, it's a billboard. When you put on your television set, it's just geared images and programs and seven minutes sound bites and oh, seven minutes is too long now. We've got to reduce it down. And that, 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 that video doesn't get you anymore. So more flesh, more experience, more, more licentiousness. Let's push the envelope. Let's get the messages popping up on your screen. Let's go for what we can. Let's get your focus. And while I guess you can't put your head in the sand and hide from the world, you can decide the course of your own life and adopt habits that are going to connect us with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Do you know, in the book of Acts, in the book of Acts, every single time a heavenly moment happens, this word Ateniso turns up. Every single time. I mean, literally, in, in next time it turns up, Acts chapter 7, verse 55, the Bible tells us that Stephen, who was about to get stoned, looked up towards heaven and he saw the glory of God. That's the word atonizo. He looked up and he saw the glory of God. In Acts chapter 10, the Bible says Cornelius saw an angel, but it's actually atonizo. He was, he was focused. He was in the moment. Uh, in Acts chapter 13, there was a sorcerer who was, you know, kind of saying all the stuff. And the Bible says that, 
that Peter looked intently at him and then said, hey, dude, shut up. And by the way, you're gonna be blind for the next few days because you're trying to get in the way of the work of God. But what preceded it was that he knew he could command the man to be blind because he atonizo. He put his whole focus into a divine moment where God was speaking and acts Chapter 14, we've got Paul. We've got Peter in this one. Acts 14, it's Paul who looked at a man, saw that he had the faith to be healed. Okay, so this guy is already at Tunisia. So there's no look at us. There's no first bit. There's no, hey, we've got one at this occasion that we're reading from. Peter and John are like, hey, would you look at us? We're we're giving you an invitation to give your whole focus on this moment so that something divine can jump into your world. But in Acts 14, the Bible says, Peter, sorry, Paul looks out, sees a guy and the guy is already there. So then he just says, dude, stand up. Bam, we've got a miracle straight away. And I want you to know that there is a consistent theme in the Scripture. And that's that your focus precedes a move of God. The whole essence of the question is what gets your attention because attention enables revelation. Attention enables revelation. In Psalm 1, you know, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, who sits not in the seat in the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law, he meditates day and night. He, he, he's chosen where his attention is going to go. Um, I think one thing that we've got to perhaps just revise in our Christian faith is the practice of focus. I mean, in Psalm 1, it's called meditation, but let's modernize it. And let's just say we've got to, we've got to re, re, reinvigorate the practice of focus. See, when I got saved, when I got set on fire for God, I started a habit. I started to get up between 5, 5.30. These days it's between 5.30 and 6 because I'm older now. But I I, I get up early in the morning and I use those first moments before everybody else is annoying me (laughs) to grab this book. I mean, I use my iPhone for my alarm, but I, I try and really do my best to not look at what's on the screen of that phone. When I wake up, I go downstairs. I went to an iPad for a while. I've gone back to a paper Bible. I've gone back to a pen, a good old journaling book. And I sit down in my chair in the lounge and I just spend the first portion of my day before, before the waters are muddied. Do you know what I'm saying? Before a thousand things are beginning to occupy little quadrants of my available RAM, before little apps are opened in my little brain, planning the day and thinking about this and looking forward to that and considering the other thing and responding to stimulus, give that first portion of my day to uninterrupted focus on God and on His Word. And those moments have changed my life. Those moments have awakened my soul. Those moments have defined me as a person. And I believe that God is looking for a group of people that are gonna learn to give God their attention, gonna give God their focus, are gonna be in environments and give their everything to the God that is there. Come on. Um, I used to finish you know, church on Sunday night when I was young and single. 
And I'd drive out to Piha to a little batch that a family in our church owned. And I'd spend all Monday there. That was my day off. And I'd spend all Monday there. And I would just, I would just, you know, I had nothing. We had no cell phones back then. Had no, no, no interruptions. Just take a little bit of food and my Bible and a you know, spare change of clothes for the next day. And I would just spend that day with Jesus. Focus, attention, giving God your all. But I want you to know that you can't microwave intimacy. You can't, you can't be half in a conversation and expect it to work. I mean, if, if I'm talking to you and I think I'm pretty cool, and I, if I'm talking to you and you just grab your phone and I realize that I've lost you, I'm not gonna hang around. I'm gone. You don't wanna talk to me, I'm out of here. The Bible says that you shall have no other gods before me, right? I'm, I'm not trying to make this heavy, but what I'm trying to say is that if we're gonna get something from God, you can't, you can't just be in the middle of it, you're distracted. Are you sure about that? I am sure because Jesus told the story. Well, sorry, there's a story in the Bible of Jesus in a God encounter environment and two women were present and their names were Mary and Martha. And the Bible says about Martha that she was distracted, distracted by all of the stuff that had to be done. She's sitting in a service in church, but on her phone, she's getting messages about where they're going to lunch. That's literally what the Bible's saying. Since she's sitting there, she's trying to listen to the message. That's literally what she's doing. She is trying to listen to Jesus preach and she got distracted. Anybody thinks my sermons ain't good enough, I want you to know that Jesus' weren't good enough to keep Martha focused. The problem's not with the preacher, the problem's with the listener. I'm just putting it out there. But I'm very self-righteous, justified, pharisaical even. But the Bible says about Martha that she couldn't focus. She couldn't focus. But Mary just sat there and she blocked it all out. And Martha gets so ticked off that Mary can do that, that she comes up. I've watched teenagers do this in youth services. One of their friends is literally beginning to lean into the message and getting an encounter with God. And their buddy who's backslidden in heart will be threatened by the fact that the Mary is leaning in while they are resisting. So they'll begin to distract the person sitting next to them. By the way, it's not just the buddy, there's spirits at work. Have you ever noticed that the hardest thing to do is just to spend 60 minutes focused on the Word of God? You can watch, uh, you can watch uh, a game of rugby is it too soon to talk about it? I'm in Christchurch this morning. I'm just gonna say two words. Go hurricanes. And you can be you can be watching, you can be watching, love me anyway. You can be watching a game of rugby and focus for 90 minutes, but to get 15 minutes where your brain can look on. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Because the devil doesn't want you to get an encounter with God. Redeem the time because the days are evil. Give God your attention because your focus is demonic. And man, Martha just can't lean in. I want you to know that a Martha generation is anxious, concerned, stimulated, yet empty. I don't want to be heavy, hey, but I want to put it out there that maybe we're a Martha generation. That for all the things that are going on, we're getting nothing in. 
I mean, I, I, we found a habit in Arise because Arise is like this go-getter church, you know. I mean, we are one of the most technologically advanced churches I, I know of. I mean, you know, we, we like churches all over the world are copying so many of the ways that we just keep our staff just kind of in this hive of, of connectedness and activity and flow as we're just continuing to expand and grow as a church. But one of the things we had to arrest was that we'd be in the middle of church services and our staff would be messaging each other about aspects of, you know, what was gonna happen next or lunch plans or what we're gonna do with this aspect. And we had to kind of arrest our own team and say, guys, when you're in a service, put your phone under your seat, get out a journal. The message is not just for somebody 10 rows back. The message has got to be for us as well. We all need God in our lives. It's not about how good the preacher is. It's about how great this book is. And when someone's preaching from it, regardless of who they are, it has the impact to be a potential to be divinely inspired and forever change your life. Come on. I mean, I started this habit where I used to like be in the middle of church and I'd be so buzzed out by our worship team or, you know, come to Christ, just be so wowed by the crowd that I'd go up during the second praise song, take a quick photo of the service and then just to brag on the congregation, I'd put it up on Instagram. I stopped doing it. Do you know why? Because during my preaching, it was discouraging how many people I knew were listening to it who were liking the photo. You like my photo, but the moment you're distracted, you're minimizing the possibility that the message that I spent 14 hours preparing could actually touch your life. Again, not heavy, but I'm just saying, I believe it's time for a cultural correction. I believe that it's time for somebody to wake up and realize that a lot of stimulus doesn't mean a lot of genius. A lot of connectedness doesn't mean a lot of intimacy. A lot going on doesn't mean there's a lot of substance. And I wanna live a life of substance, how about you? I wanna live a life that's really gonna connect with God and is gonna make a change in the world in which we live. And my fear is that whilst we've never had the ability to receive more spiritual input than now, well, I mean, podcasts, e-books, sermons, vodcasts. I mean, you can listen to this sermon at three o'clock this afternoon by picking up your iPhone and going to our website. I mean, there has never been the potential for more spiritual input than now, yet for all the potential, maybe, we're receiving less and less. And I believe that God has wanted to do something that would just awaken within us that feeling that, man, we're gonna get everything we can. I'm gonna skip out a couple of things, but you know, with, with my son, Will, I love him because he's like a little mini me, which means he's kind of like a strong leader, gets angry with people. Um, yeah, he's got like all my, all my strengths and all my faults. Like everybody wants to follow Will, but you know, then anyway. As, anyway, so, so Will's teacher the other day pulls me aside and says, uh, uh, John, I think you need to get Will's ears tested. And immediately when a teacher says that, you're seeing like major complications with your child's health. So I'm freaking out. I've, she's definitely got my atonizo. I mean, I'm there, you know what I'm saying? I said, why? You know, like, why, why? And she says to me, she says, well, he comes back into the classroom after lunch. He sits down on the mat and he's there, but it's like he's not listening to what I'm saying. I nearly burst out laughing. 
I will get his ears checked because I'm a dutiful parent, but the reality is you're describing me. I mean, that's basically <laughs> what I spend my life doing. I mean, I mean, I would every single day of my life, at least once, normally four times, be talking to somebody and then I'd have to say, can you say that all again? Because I don't know why, I just can't focus. I cannot do it. I mean, if, if, if I've talked to you in a foyer for more than 30 seconds after a service and I've been looking at you in the eye, I promise you I've reset four times. I mean, I just have to just reset. The reason why I stare at people in the foyer like I'm just a monster, I mean, I, I keep focused on you, is because all of the activity, I just, have to, I just have to go right in there. I'm repeating in my head what you're saying to me. Otherwise, my brain is off. I'm reviewing the service, the sermon, planning the night, going over here. I mean, I just find it very hard. I just have this crazy little mind. That's why my son needs hours at home just playing with Lego on the ground because he has to take all the stuff that's in the air from a day. I mean, after lunchtime on the playground, he's going through leadership dynamics, people. I know him because I know I live in that brain. I live. Why didn't that kid do what I wanted them to do? He's gonna be going through all of that and the crazy brain that I blessed him with. And you know, I mean, he just needs hours of just Lego time, just sitting on the ground for the dust to settle. And you know what? I think we all have to make sure that we don't bounce from stimulus to stimulus, that we don't let our life become a collection of just, is the word discombobulated? I love that word. Not quite sure what it means, it just sounds great. <laughs> just all these fragments of perspective and space and stimulus and responses and so consume you. And maybe you can't even put your finger on the last time God spoke something straight into your heart. You know, and I believe that God is looking for a group of people that are just gonna spend some time with Him, right? Just focus, focus. They looked at Him, because it was a God prompting. He looked at them, at Geniza, focus. Can I encourage you, when you come to a church service, put your phone under your lap, put it on flight mode. I would rather have somebody not taking notes than somebody messaging in the middle of taking notes. Because at the end of the day, you'll, you'll never look at the notes again. But if you focus, I mean, you know, go for it on flight mode. But what I'm saying is don't, don't let the devil take over your mind. Shut down some stuff. Have a cutoff time. Decide 10 o'clock at night, all the electronic stuff goes away. I shut off my television. Focus. You know, the Bible says, blessed is he whose master finds him waiting in the second and third watch of the night. Do you know why? Because in the second and third watch of the night, that's between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. when everybody else is asleep. And now it's like we've worked out a way that we're always, right? So I think the next season of this next you know, period of time is gonna be about getting rid of everything and just making our own choice to lean into God. Do you know what I'm saying? Look at us. There is so much power found in an attentive person. And I believe 
that God is wanting to speak into our hearts. I mean, I've got so much more. Can I just throw out one more thought? I'm, I've gone over time, Sean. Samuel, you know, Samuel's lying on the ground and God starts speaking. Have you ever just stopped to consider God never changed his tone? Because that's what we do as parents, right? Will, 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 Will. Like we will do whatever it takes to get that kid's attention, but God didn't do that. Samuel doesn't hear, thinks it's something else. Samuel. And it was up to Samuel to learn to hear the voice of God. And I reckon God actually does want us to train ourselves to hear His voice. James chapter 1, Ateneso, to look intently. James chapter 1, 23. The man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives liberty and continues to do it, not forgetting what is heard, that man will be blessed. Listen, give God your focus and your life will be blessed. Isn't that what the Sabbath is? With less work and more attention on Him, less doing, more being, I will be more productive than if I just respond to every text, every email. I'll have more friends if I spend time with Jesus than I will responding to everything on Facebook. I will be more successful in life if I just give God some of my time and give my email a little bit less. Amen. Come on, let's stand our feet together and pray together this morning, shall we? Come on. Father, I thank You in the name of Jesus for the power of our attention. I believe, Lord God, that You wanted to stir something within us I pray, Jesus, that right now, Lord, You would speak into our hearts, that You would grab our attention, that God, You would speak straight into the heart of every person. And all I want is Jesus. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and John Cameron, go to arise.org.nz or follow them on Twitter at John Cameron NZ and at Arise Church.